Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. As always, a real honor that you are taking time out of your busy schedules to join me. And maybe for some of you, you're just in your car and you flipped on your radio. But for others, I know you are carving time out of your busy schedules uh, to listen to Seeds of Truth, to listen to this podcast. I'm looking at my grid right now and I continue to see so many faithful listeners in the countries of Mexico and Canada, uh, down there in South America, Argentina, Brazil, Chile. I see Western Europe, uh, all of those countries in Western Europe, Portugal, Spain, Italy, Germany, France. I also see uh, Croatia, uh, Ukraine, right? So Eastern Europe, I see Ukraine as well as uh, China. Uh, Just so good to see so many people listening, India, South Africa, the Cameroon, Kenya, Nigeria. I don't know how it has reached you, but somehow you are listening to the Seeds of Truth. And what we do here in the friendly confines of Chico, California, my friends, just try to do our best to get underneath what, what it is that the Catholic Church teaches, why the Catholic Church teaches what it does. And I am going to respond to a very specific question that you have asked. Now, my friends, what I have done for this evening is I have gone back to my queue and I was asking uh, my own question, <laughs> okay? What question or questions have been asked that might be good to talk about with everything that's going on in the church today? And I found a question that I responded to some months ago uh, that brings us back to the cross. Can you help me understand the words of Christ on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This verse has always troubled me. Uh, this comes to us from Jean. Uh, from Raleigh, North Carolina. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Thank you for this question, because my dear friends, I'm sure that this is a question (laughs) that on some level has troubled all of us. As I shared uh, with Gene some months ago when I responded to the question, uh, this was maybe the verse that uh, troubled me for, gosh, a good three, four years of my life, more so than any other verse. And by that, I mean, I spent a lot of time really unpacking what this verse might mean in its literal and spiritual sense. And by that, I mean how we are always called to read sacred scripture in light of what was actually being said in history by the person in sacred scripture and doing so with a consideration into the historical context and how ultimately reading whatever passage we are reading in the greater, larger context of the Bible might help us gain further insight. This is what we are talking about when we talk about the literal sense and and the spiritual sense. Um, And and if I were to tease this out further, what do we mean by the literal sense? What do we mean by the, the spiritual sense? Well, for example, if I am, say, a zoologist, and I am given a monkey to take care of, If I am going to do my job well, I not only need to know how to handle monkeys in their day-to-day affairs, but in doing so, I am going to have to do my homework 
on their original habitat, where they come from, right? You see, I will not be able to do my job well until I better understand the lived context that they come from, their original habitat. This is what is going on in sacred scripture. Until we understand what is going on in the mind of the author with, with a careful consideration into the historical context, cultural milieu of the time, we will not understand the fullness of the text or the fullness of the verse that we are dealing with, right? And then, of course, in our interpretation of the sacred text, we always put what we read into the larger context. That's the literal sense. That's the, the spiritual sense. I know for many of you this is review, but all the while, still very important to talk about. Because it is in the light of that that I want to speak to the words of Christ that we hear from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, <laughs> yeah, to, to hear Jesus Christ say to his Father, you have forsaken me can be deeply troubling. At least it was for me, and I know it was for a gene from Raleigh, North Carolina. Especially that word forsaken. What is meant by that word forsaken? You have heard me say that, you know, the English language, I think at times struggles to translate the Hebrew, the Greek, especially the Aramaic, I dare say, because the English language just doesn't have the flexing power, the muscle power to translate some of these languages that are so rich. So we, yeah, we have to get underneath the, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, the, the Greek, whatever it might be. And this is what we do here with that word forsaken, uh, that Aramaic word sabachthani. Sabachthani generally means to have been abandoned or left behind. But here's the snag, my friends. It just doesn't mean to be abandoned or left behind, but to be abandoned or left behind for a purpose or reason. That's the sabachthani. When we generally think of forsaken, I know many of you out there think of, oh, what, but an uncaring abandonment, right? The Aramaic word for being abandoned without care or because of um, being unwanted, if you will, is ta'atani, ta'atani. The Aramaic for being abandoned because of being forgotten, just simply forgotten, is nashatani, nashatani. So you have ta'atani and nashatani. Is that sabachthani? No, no, because that Aramaic best translates as yes, being abandoned and being left behind. But with the context, this is why it is so important to get underneath what some of these words mean. I mean, in the context of Jesus on the cross, it is clearly a reference to being abandoned, but it does not imply that Jesus felt his father carelessly abandoning him. A point made by Catholic answers that I thought to be very important is that in, in some ancient cultures, in order to pass from boyhood to manhood, the young male would have to spend the night alone in the wilderness, alone and in the dark. And as you can imagine, the young male might wonder, why did my father leave me in this place? Why did my father abandon me? Why did my father forsake me? But 
He does so with what mind? Knowing that there's a purpose to being there and that his father knows what he is doing and, and why he has left him there. You see, my friends, there is a reason behind an apparent abandonment. Because abandonment in the Hebrew context doesn't just suggest one is unwanted or, or carelessly abandoned, but left alone to serve a greater purpose. Here in this case, the purpose is what but salvation. Salvation. Off the top, I talked about finding a question that best fits what is going on in the church today. Maybe you feel abandoned. Maybe you feel unloved, unwanted, because there's so much scandal in the church today. I might recommend you going to uh, the last two weeks of programming for Special Topic Thursday because we have really wrestled with that question. But this might act as a part three. This part of the question might act as a part three. Because what we are made to understand is, no, we are not left unloved or abandoned. What we are made to understand is that there is a purpose and a reason. God must uproot the moral evil that has found itself in the sanctuary of the church. You just can't pull, out, pull off one or two branches. The whole thing must be uprooted. There is a purpose. There is a reason. What is going on in the church today needs to be cleansed. There needs to be a purging. And while we might be affected in, in many different ways, and I know I've been talking with a lot of different people, and pretty much everyone has been affected in their own way, there is a deeper reason because the church needs to be cleansed. And God wants us to understand that even when we might feel most abandoned, he is actually closest with us. Huh? I was making this point recently in our treatment of Jacob wrestling with the angel as well as Elijah in his battle with Jezebel. And maybe we should hit the pause button to bring this back into our discussion a little bit here. Maybe focusing in on Elijah because I think that really hits the point. You know, we have those all-important verses that record the events in the aftermath of Elijah's brilliant victory in the contest with Jezebel and the priest of Baal atop Mount Carmel. 1 Kings chapter 19, right? Just when Elijah should have been triumphant, he receives a message telling him of Jezebel's murderous intentions. And so in chapter 19, verse 3, we read that Elijah was afraid. What is going on here? Well, Elijah is is evidently being persecuted for his faithfulness and for demanding total obedience to the one true God. Because such loyalty threatens the powers that be who have their own ideas about whom or what people should worship. So what takes place? Israel's most fiery prophet, Elijah, flees south into the wilderness of the desert. There, his mood is one of desolation, defeat and desolation. Right? I mean, after all he had done for the God of Israel, his victory now seems vitiated. He has now been given the divine protection he was promised, and all he wants, the only thing he wants to do was what but die. I mean, what do we read in verse 3, verse 4? It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. There, 
in the barren desert. Elijah lies down under a solitary broom tree and asks God to take his life, claiming that he is no better than his father's. Elijah bemoans his discouragement at his lack of success in encouraging the Israelites to be faithful. Elijah, my friends, is about as low as he can be, right? And it is precisely then that God comes riding in, right? At that moment, what is going on, brothers and sisters in Christ? When our ego is riding high, confident in its own power and resourcefulness, it rarely reaches out to God. But when the ego is knocked around, wounded, powerless, what does it do? It opens itself up. The humble heart now has been made to open up. What does St. Paul say? I willingly boast in my weakness. When we feel powerful, we keep God at bay. When we feel helpless, we are open to God. Remember that all-important phrase, when we are down to nothing, God is always up to something. Because you see, my friends, God never gave up on Elijah. We could say that God's great teaching moment began when Elijah's famed resourcefulness ran out. Angels from God feed him in his weakness. And then God leads him through a time of reflection in the wilderness. Essentially, the Elijah story speaks powerfully to those who are worn out, fearful, depressed, or simply in need of renewal and recommitment to their original call. The story suggests a way forward, eat and drink of God's life, giving sustenance, providing what is necessary to return to the core of the faith as we listen to God's still small voice. That may be the way to find a new vision and a new sense of purpose. Speaking of purpose, right? Elijah had to learn that God is not encountered in the sound and fury of loud and spectacular events. Because God will never be conjured up by the zealous or boisterous activity of the prophet who now stands quiet and broken atop the Lord's mountain. Elijah discovers that God is encountered when all of the activity ceases and the words stop. When the heart is sad and the stomach is filled with pangs of hunger. When Elijah's mind and heart are finally empty of all his self-ambition and self-promotion. Then, God is ultimately heard. What is my point? Well, could we not say that Elijah experienced a pinch of what our Lord experienced on the cross? He felt forsaken, and in time, he saw that, yeah, there was a purpose and reason behind his apparent abandonment. In our treatment of Jacob wrestling with the angel, we highlighted the words of Benedict, right? and his insights into what happens at night. That the, that the most intimate acts of love always take place when, but at night, in the dark. When we might feel most abandoned, my friends, is actually when we are closest to God. The where and when God is using us for a purpose and reason far greater than I think we can ever really understand. <laughs> I'm reminded of that encounter between, between God and Job, right? 
when after all of Job's questioning, and he had a right to, to inquire, right? Hey, God, what's going on? You've taken everything from me. God says to Job, you were not there when I fashioned creation. Huh? Brothers and sisters, in God's grace and in God's time, we learn how to accept this apparent abandonment as something at the service of a greater whole. That God might use us for someone else's salvation. This is the great mystery we share in, as Paul reminds us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. All right, now, as noted off the top, there is another level to this passage. <laughs> and that can be found in where you find this passage in the Old Testament. Earlier, when I was talking about the literal sense and the spiritual sense, I was talking about the importance of putting a passage within the larger context of the whole narrative. And by that I mean the narrative of the Old and New Testament. Because it is when we do that that we can better understand how God works in salvation history. That we can better understand that beautiful, intelligible coordination and symmetry that is the old in light of the new, the new in light of the old. So where do we go? Well, we go to Psalm 22. In Psalm 22, we read from the lips of David, what but my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So again, anytime you hear Jesus directly quote the Old Testament, if you want to be a good student of, of sacred scripture and, and interpreting the Bible, pay close, close attention to the context of that verse. So we ask the question, what is the context to Psalm 22? Well, Psalm 22 was a hymn offered during one of the great Passover offerings, the Todah offering. Todah, my friends, in the Hebrew, literally translates as thank offering. Thank offering. So here you have Jesus from the cross quoting an Old Testament passage that is charged with ritual offering. I mean, think about that for a second. Here you have the Son of Man who has become the new Passover lamb offering himself unto God, quoting what? An Old Testament hymn that speaks to a very specific ritual offering, the Todah offering, which was the corporate offering of the Passover covenant. Wow! This is when, for me, sacred scripture gets really exciting to see how Jesus not only fulfills the promise, but at once transforms it in his blood. What did Jesus just say in the upper room? This is the blood of the new covenant, the Passover of the new covenant. I've come to fulfill and transform the Passover. I have come as the new thank offering. What does the word Eucharist mean? Coming from the Greek, Eucharisteros, thanksgiving, or thank offering. Uh, incidentally, my friends, I know many of us know that. It means thanksgiving. If you were to get into the Greek, what do you hear? Charis. Eucharisteros. Charis is the root. Charis is the word we have for grace and joy. What's going on there? If we want to abide in the grace and the joy of our Lord, we enter into the one great thanksgiving of God, the Eucharist. 
because it is by abiding in the Eucharist that we will truly have the grace and joy we desire. Amen? Amen. So I think what you have <laughs> in this passage, yeah, at first glance is incredibly troubling. I will tell you that this passage was very hard for me to read. To say aloud, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can be very troubling. But I think that's the point. I think we have certain passages, certain verses, certain words that come from our Lord that are there for a reason. God wants to trouble us, if you will. God wants to shake us up. God wants us to see that everything isn't always going to be understood on the surface. If we are going to really go deeper in our faith, we have to roll up our sleeves and work in the tall grass because it is then that we discover the real beauty that lies underneath the surface. In any courtship, it is never enough for anyone to just see what's on the surface. We might be attracted to the natural beauty of someone, but we fall in love with that someone because of how we get to know them. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the same thing that is going on in our Christian and Catholic faith and in our courtship with Jesus Christ. There are so many things that happen to us that we just don't understand, and we, we say to God, why on earth are you allowing this to happen? Remember our Lord on the cross, that when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is not saying that his father has left him unwanted, uncared for, forgotten. No, there is a purpose and reason behind the abandonment. And this is why we went back to Elijah. He could not hear God in all of his ambition. It was when everything was made to be quiet that he heard God. We get so busy with life. We do a lot of things, and I'm not saying bad things, but we just do a lot of things that just might not be in God's holy and perfect will. And he desires that we desire God as much as God desires us. And when we desire God as much as God desires us, there isn't any one thing that we will not take to God. And God will let us know. What does the word obedience mean? Obadire, to listen, to be in tune with God. To be in tune with God. Elijah, as great as he was, fell out of tune with God. But... It was in the great dark night that he encountered God. Again, this was the same point we made with Jacob. Benedict was very astute to make the observation that Jacob wrestled with the angel, this nameless angel, during the night. It is when we are broken down and when we are made to wrestle with God that we are closest with God. Why? Because nothing else matters except for that wrestling with God. Help me understand this moment because I don't get it. Help me through this moment because I can't do it on my own. Help me overcome this moment because I understand, I know you desire me to pass through this. So again, putting this back into the conversation with everything that is going on today in the church, we may feel unwanted, uncared for. 
in the end, remember, whatever you might feel is necessary for a greater purpose, for a greater reason. You've heard me speak to the call to be a mystic, and man, is it so important in this discussion. Why? Because again, life isn't a problem to be solved abruptly and suddenly, but a mystery to be lived continuously and perpetually. And so we dive deep into the mystery of the cross, and we ask our Lord the question, what is it that you want me to see? God, the Father, what is it that you want me to see as you are allowing me to pass through my own Via Dolorosa? Help me understand, if nothing else, to undergo trial leads us to that great vocation that is before us, as St. John Paul II would remind us, that great vocation that inquires to Jesus, Master, Rabboni, Teacher, Help me understand. I will follow you. Amen? Amen. All right, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we do just give you a special thanks and praise for the gift of another evening, which in the end (laughs) is nothing more but the gift of time. I am thankful, and hopefully together we are thankful for the gift of time and the gift of the richness of the Word of God. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.